Welcome to Catch and Release, a podcast project undertaken by more than 100 English 12 students from Sir Winston Churchill Secondary in Vancouver, BC. In these episodes, you'll be hearing about their memories, big moments from their lives, their regrets, and their dealings with mental health. We hope that after catching these stories, you find a way to release what's holding you back. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Juin. This is Alicia. And this is Amy. And this is the dark side of the rainbow. Welcome. Have you ever had a paradigm shift? Thought one thing and then realized you thought something else later? Oh yeah, I have. So when I was young, I always thought that I would be a doctor. So I would, I would t- tell my parents that, oh, mom, I, wa- I want to be a doctor. I want to go to med school. So my mo- parents would be like, oh, that's great. So as I grew up, I took all these science courses and math courses. And then one day in grade 11, I realized, hey, I don't want to do that anymore. So in grade 12, I took more arts courses and and then my parents were like, what do you mean? And they would, they were so mad at me because I was hyping them up and I just kind of let them down. Do you know what I mean? So now I've disappointed my parents, disappointed myself, and now I'm confused. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I'm just all over the place. Do you know what I mean? How about you, Amy? Do you have any experiences similar to mine? My experience is very similar to yours. Growing up, I always thought, I'm going to be a teacher, going to teach elementary school kids. But as I grew up, realized don't like kids as much as I... So high school comes along, decided to take programming class. Realized I enjoyed it a lot more than I did teaching kids. So decided to switch my career path and do more science-related courses. At least you're not confused like me. How about you, Alicia? (laughs) When I was growing up, my family went to church. And because I was exposed to Christianity at a young age, I just automatically believed it. Just like you automatically believe your parents when they say things to you when you're young. However, when I got older, we stopped going to church. And I took a step back and started to look at things through a different lens. And I decided that I did not believe in the doctrine of Christianity anymore. Hey, I think it's totally great that as we grew up, we learned more about ourselves and we were able to change who, what we label ourselves as and how we view ourselves. Because, you know, a part of growing up is realizing and noticing things, whether it's something about ourselves or others. When we are truly mindful of ourselves and our surroundings, we can state what we have, that we have matured and that and there is peace in that. On the other hand, the process of realizing things stirs up confusion. When there is an uncertainty, there is confusion. And when there's confusion, there is this uneasy feeling of instability that bothers us. In the last decade, 
Many new gender and sexual identities have been introduced to the world. With so many options, it can be confusing for you to try and find an, an identity that fits you. On top of that, when you've been mislabeled by society, it's hard to go on the path towards knowing ourselves better. We've interviewed a very special guest, Gary Patterson. He is a minister at St. Andrew's Wesley United Church. He has been leading the ministry from 2005. He is also a part of the LGBTQ community. He talks about his personal life, ministry, church, and the struggles that comes from being the part of the LGBTQ. We've also interviewed student A, who's from Sir Winston Churchill Secondary. She is pansexual. And we've interviewed my past co-workers, Leif and Sakura. I give my consent for you to use my interview for the podcast. I give my consent to Joanne to use my interview for her podcast. Sakura is non-binary and Leaf is transgender. They will also be discussing different aspects of how being a part of the LGBTQ community affects their mental health, their social life, and their cultural slash religious backgrounds. Um, I was conceived here in Vancouver, literally half a block down the street. Oh, wow. But my dad was in the army, so I'm actually born in the Yukon. Oh. And then wow. as an army brat, I lived uh, here in Vancouver, Victoria, and Toronto. Lived in Europe for three years. Mm. Wow. And then, uh, but Vancouver's been my home. I, have, I go back three or four generations, 1870s, my great-grandfather one of the first farmers out in Richmond and Little Island. Oh, wow. So they're naming schools after him, so. Wow, yeah. well, a real pioneer. Yeah, yeah. good, that mm-hmm. was. Okay. So um, was your family religious uh, growing up? Yes, um, not my dad. Army okay. um, would go at Christmas, but that's about it. But my mom okay. was raised within the United Church. Mm-hmm. And as a family, we went to church a lot. Not a lot, but, you know, basically every like Sunday. Every Sunday? Okay. Yeah. And usually we lived many years on the army army base, so we'd go to the army chapel okay. and the local church. So you, you just stuck to the United Church? Yeah, yeah I did. All the way. Yeah, well, like like many people, somewhere in my university years, I just drifted away and oh, yeah. did darken the church door for several years. <laughs> yeah. And if you told me that I'd end up being a minister, I would have laughed. That wow. was the last thing in my mind. I did my first two degrees in English Lit. I was teaching oh. at a UBC as a session lecturer okay. for a couple of years, thinking, do I do my doctorate? And then I had a chance to study theology. Huh. And there's a scholarship for people who wanted to study theology, but would, weren't really interested in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I got hooked. Wow. And had a religious experience and thought, I guess I'm supposed to be a minister. Okay. So eventually came back to Vancouver and said, you remember me? And they said, well, vaguely, you're crossed off the roll. Mm. Uh, but, you know, come on home and we'll see what happens. Hi, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, hi, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so is it okay for me to ask for your age and which school you go to? Yeah, sure, no problem. So I am currently 17 and I go to... Uh, Sir Winston Churchill, like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, so what are some of your hobbies? Um, I like drawing. I like 
like all things art i enjoy game design um i enjoy gaming too i enjoy a lot of things i have a lot of hobbies yeah we're we're gonna spend a long time sitting here talking about my hobbies (laughs) yeah and we're currently in the back room of mr rank's classroom yes yeah i i gave her access because it's the quietest room in the in the classroom okay so what are your future careers and goals so my goal is well currently I've, I've already been accepted to the film school so my goal is to graduate from the vancouver film school and then hopefully when i after i graduate i'll get like a good like i'll get like a like a job in the like a, job. a job like <laughs> a job like literally any I, i'd like i'd be a janitor for like a gaming company and i'd be happy like oh like God. anything like the close the closer i get to the game to like the game design industry the happier i'll be even if i'll just even if I, i'm like the night shift janitor or something like i'll take it you're so passionate yeah i, I love i just that. love i just love like gaming game design i love like the art I love doing concept art. Damn. Damn. Yeah. It's... I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm literally gonna spend like one third of this interview just going like, oh yeah, I love art. I love gaming. Yes. Yes. And you're my friend because I tend to like artistic people. <laughs> I'm I'm very artistically challenged, so I like. So your 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 artistically challenged self is drawn to others yes, with artistic exactly. talent. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Um, Big mood. So, um, is it okay for me to ask about your sexual orientation? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. No problem. Um, so I'm pansexual. Um. But to people who, who, who I know that I'm gonna have to spend some time like explaining my sexuality to, yeah. I just say I'm just bisexual because I feel like a lot, a lot more people um, find that it's easier to understand bisexual mm-hmm. versus pansexual. So, mm-hmm. but well, I'm pansexual. Yeah. And for those people who don't know what pansexuality <laughs> is, do you mind explaining what it is? Uh, sure, sure. Um, so I'm not sure if this is like actually what the definition of pansexuality is, which which kind of sucks that I don't even know if it's the actual <laughs> definition. But from from like my my soul searching on the internet, yeah. pansexuality is basically you're just you're you kind of just don't care what the gender of the other person is. So like pan would mean like it's it's similar to like poly. Yeah. Like you just like I guess to me pansexuality is like it doesn't matter what's in your pants or what's not in your pants or whatever it's it's about like the person as a whole and not what they look like physically Mm. why hello there hello 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 hi thanks for joining me today no problem yay okay so is this recorded or like Yes, I will record this. I have my mic in front of me. Okay, okay. Okay, so is it okay for me to ask about yourself? Oh yeah, sure. So, what is your name and age? I'm Sakura and I'm 23. 23. 
that's very young. <laughs> very young. Um, do you work or are you still in school? I'm working full time right now. Full time? So I'm not in school. Okay. Um, what type of job do you have? I work as a salon assistant. Oh, that's cool. Uh, hair salon right now. That's very cool. Do you mind if I ask about your gender identity? Uh, yes. Uh, blah, blah, blah. uh I think the closest to describe it would be non-binary. Mm -hmm. So I prefer they/them pronouns. So, um, for any of those people who don't know what being non-binary is, do you mind explaining what it is? Mm, non-binary tend to depend from person to person, mm -hmm. like how they would describe it. Mm -hmm. But I think the most general description would be like a person that doesn't identify along like the the what's, what's what's the word like the general like basically the binary between like male or female mm -hmm. like they don't feel they fit along that line mm -hmm. mm. so um, like for example it's it's uh it could be a combination of masculinity or femininity mm -hmm. fem femin eh, femininity yeah. or even neither at all oh i see so Thanks for explaining that to us because I know a lot of people are often confused. There's some misconceptions. Mm, sure. So, did you meet your spouse uh, after getting into theology, or yes, yes, okay. I, I was a minister, and um, actually, I had been wrestling a lot with my sexuality, mm -hmm. which I think is typical and is one of the mental health challenges I think for right. LGBT youth. Mm -hmm. Particularly back in the 60s when I was a teenager, it was illegal. Mm -hmm. um, you could go to jail for a maximum sentence of 14 to 17 years. Wow. Um, so the law changed in 1969, mm -hmm. uh, the year I turned 20. That's why I saw it as my birthday wow. gift for maybe <laughs> my teens. Yeah. But no, I met an incredible woman. Um, we got on really well and we decided to get married, but we had long conversations about the fact that I was bi. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Who knew it was a risk? And Absolutely. we both said, Yeah, it's worth it. And we had 10 good years. I said, I'm going a little crazy. Um, we need lots of counseling and therapy. So we went for a couple of years and finally decided it'd be better to end the marriage, but to do it as good friends. So, when did you come to awareness that you identify yourself as something close to non binary? Is there a certain awakening <laughs> or... To be mm. honest, like, growing up, it's just that I never knew was a actual, like, yeah, a actual identity that, like, people actually experience. I felt like it was just me being weird. Oh, I And see. I feel like, uh, like, the last two, three years is when I kind of like start to realize it more mm -hmm. that oh it's actually a thing and there's other people that has the same identity so but i feel like i only really came to term with it like 
maybe late last year-ish? Because I, I had, I struggled with accepting it myself, too. Yeah. Um, so, I was wondering, uh, when you first started studying theology, uh, was it, like, the United Church doctrine that you were studying, or was it... Yeah. Just <laughs> theology. Okay, to, just theology. Going yeah. over the history and what are the big questions and what are different possible answers and how do you how do you explore this stuff? I had to do some work on the Bible. Okay. Say. So and I ended up at a place of saying the Bible is really important, but you never take it literally, mm-hmm. but you take it seriously. And then you have to interpret and understand how it works right. in our own times. So it's important, but it's not the only word. Then the United Church, and it's actually something called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. It says you, if you're looking at any issue, ethical or life choice, you use scripture as one, one lens. Big Lou's uh, tradition. So what is two to 4,000 years of Judeo-Christian thinking being about this? Right. You use um, your reason, so all modern science and psychology, philosophy, because it's clear that... Um, to believe is never a contradiction of reason. Right. Um, they have to go together, and if they don't, then you have some more work to do. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth uh, lens is your own experience. So if it doesn't ring true to your lived experience, then you have to start over again. Okay. So you use all four of those. So that was really important within the whole church debate about the place of uh, gay and lesbian people. Right. Because there are what we call the clobber passages in the Bible. There are about six verses that say being homosexual is terrible and yeah. can be killed. But you take a look at like thousands of pages and you know six little verses. Right. Um, and so you have to take them in context hmm. and interpret them. Yeah. I find that interesting that you look at experience because I, I think a lot of denominations they just discount a lot of people's experiences. Yeah. That's probably part of the problem. The, uh, some of the mental health struggles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that LGBTQ yeah, if, if particularly if you're caught up in or raised in a family that is uh, conservative Christian or mm-hmm. Orthodox Jewish or mm-hmm. uh, conservative Muslim then a lot of the people you'll meet will basically say you're a sick sinner and you're going to hell <laughs> um, yeah. which leads to an awful lot of mental distress Right. Um, I I was approached by somebody here in Vancouver who asked if I would do a, a service for his lover who yeah. had suicided. Um, oh, they'd yeah. been together as a couple, but his partner had come from an evangelical tradition mm-hmm. and uh, went back because the family said, we think we can fix you. Mm-hmm. And so he engaged in conversion therapy, which is yeah. to, to fix gay people so they become uh-huh. straight. And he kept working at it and working at it, and finally he just imploded yeah. and decided it's better to kill himself. Uh, I guess I should say first before I say anything that I'm I'm only out to like my school peers. Yes. And I'm not even completely out. Like I'm I'm only out to like the people that I know will be comfortable with it. So that's mostly just like people who i consider like friends like me and like yeah like like <laughs> Joanne and like yeah like all of my friends and i guess like certain teachers know but like i i don't really i don't really 
say much to teachers and stuff so at this point it's just my friends who know like my family doesn't know i'm not out to my family yet so that's like one of my challenges is dealing with the fact that i'm keeping such a big secret from my family and like it it gives me a lot of it like there's no i don't know how to how to word it like i just i kind of feel a little bad that that like such a big part of like they don't know such a big part of who I am because I'm I'm just afraid of what they'll say you know yeah but imagine like living with a fear that like oh I'm if I come out I'll be stereotyped yeah there is that fear because I actually I have that fear and a lot of my friends do because Mm. For example, an issue I have is like it's this is like very specific, but it's like like obviously as a trans person I wanna like represent like the LGBT community like well. But then like like what's what's one thing? It's like for example, like a lot of a lot of guys in Western society from like my age or whatever just think of it, like it's like cool or funny to just like call other people the f word mm-hmm. and i just like cuz the thing is i i'm conscious of like how i look because i'm literally like a trans guy who's just like very who really cares about this community but if i were to just like immediately be like hey that's wrong like you shouldn't say that they're going to see me who's like very who they're going to see me and be like this guy is a fucking sj warrior oh my goodness yeah like yeah, they're not going to listen to anything i say because they know that they're like oh this like crazy feminists coming after yeah, me exactly. now and that's why i'm just like like i wish i knew some way of like how to like fix that and like cuz i do want to like call out like bad behavior like that but i just know that it's not going to like connect because it's like well of course like of course the feminazis here now because yeah. that's why it's like hard to like talk about feminist issues i think so because it's always difficult uh, to be a minority right um, whether that be around uh, race ethnicity language immigrant um, or around your sexuality mm-hmm. and i think no matter how open a society is a young person suddenly thinks Maybe I'm gay, lesbian, bi, trans. Mm-hmm. That means you're just part of a small, small group, yeah. which makes you feel self-conscious. Um, and so inevitably, you're going to feel more stress. Mm-hmm. So yeah. suicide rates in LGBTQ teens is significantly higher than it is for straight right. teens. Mm-hmm. Um, up until 1973, psychiatry said that uh, homosexuality was a sickness and an illness mm. and it was in the list of uh, psychological diagnoses until a really fascinating shrink i think it was evelyn Booker, uh, looked at the studies that determined that gay people were sick and she said the only reason they've decided they're sick is their only sample are the ones who are sick and going to a shrink and then the more you look at that the more you realize they're sick because of the way society treats them Right. And so she took a much broader cross-section of LGBT people and said, look, um, they're perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. And did right. standard psychological tests and then gave them to experts and say, tell me who's gay here. They couldn't do it. So in 1973, it, it no longer became a, a, an illness. Just in general, like, like, I just think it's very problematic when like adults are just like, 
oh yeah you know back when i was like when i was younger like there were no trans people i'm like that's because coming out or like being coming out as like trans or gay wasn't a thing because like they could literally get killed yeah i mean it was yeah it was hard enough being gay in the 80s yeah so like like, trans would be just it's like another level (laughs) so you can't say like oh there was none i'm like no they just were afraid yeah so you should if anything you should be happy that there are people who feel comfortable enough or safe enough right, to just yeah. say, I am proudly gay or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. I've actually talked to my mom about it. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, so, mom. Like, <laughs> so, mom, so what, do you, what are your thoughts on bisexuals? And they're like, and my mom's like, they don't exist. <laughs> they don't like, exist. You heard it here, guys. <laughs> what do yes. you mean they don't exist, right? And Verified it's like, facts. And she's like, I don't believe it's a thing. I'm like, but... Like, are these people just all, like, not real? Like, they, they don't exist. They just don't exist. Yeah, I'm like, what, what does that mean? Like, and her explanation was so odd. Like, her explanation was, well, I believe that gay people do exist, but bisexual people are just selfish because they want <laughs> so much attention. It's like they need the attention of men <laughs> and, and women. What, what a, look at this selfish <laughs> mom's one of those. I feel like a common trend among people in the LGBTQ community is that they struggle to when they first find out that this like they could be a part of this they first mm-hmm. they first start to question themselves and and they start developing this self-doubt and i think that confusion or like this self-doubt from like being outside this generalized image of what they are taught to be is a struggle mm-hmm. for many. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, how do you feel when others show ignorance towards your gender identity? Uh, it's definitely upsetting, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not really surprising either. Because mm-hmm. honestly, even like, um, like just like the binary, like transgender identity is still like discriminated against and this is kind of like a step ahead or maybe um, I guess behind would be a little bit more accurate because it's kind of beyond what trans men or trans women Mm -hmm. identities are definitely so I'm not too surprised but it definitely sucks it does it does upset me personally as well whenever I hear Mm. things around me I keep going back and thinking, so you feel like you're a minority, you're not sure if there's anybody like you, hence why it's so important to have gay-straight alliances in schools, and it's why I'm really annoyed with Jason Kenney in Alberta, who's, I'm not sure if you've been following, they have um, GSA in schools, but now um, the teacher who sponsors it is going to be obliged to report to the parents which means outing the kids whether or not they wish that or whether they want to tell their parents. Yeah, that's awful. It is. It's just outrageous. Uh It's outrageous. So 
I'm hoping he won't get in, but mm -hmm. it looks like he's going to win. Um, yeah. and, and so a lot of kids are not going to feel safe or comfortable. Right. So you, you need that support. Um, I'm part of an advisory council right now with our federal government. We're working out a celebration. This is the 50th anniversary of uh, oh, yeah. the decriminalization of homosexuality. And that was undertaken actually by Justice Father Pierre Trudeau. Oh, yeah. And it happened okay. because of a man named George Clippert, who was in 1967. He was up in the Northwest Territories and he was arrested on suspicion of arson and it turned out that he was completely innocent but in the interrogation he acknowledged that he had slept with men and so they arrested him for what i forget the terms but it's probably something like buggery or indecent sexuality and he went to trial and the judge said and so um, you're going to stop this aren't you and he said well actually no it's who i am and they went back and forth, and the judge gave him a life sentence as a sexual predator who should never be released. And they appealed it up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court upheld the conviction. So George went to prison in 1967 for life. Right. Nothing other than having slept with adult men who were consenting mm -hmm. in private homes. Yeah. And that's when Trudeau realized, this is so wrong and said the nation, the famous line, the nation has no place in the bedrooms. Mm -hmm. The state has no place in the bedrooms of the people. Right, right. Uh -huh. and, and, but George didn't get out to 1971. See, because okay. the law was changed in 69, he was guilty under 67 mm. legislation. So It's better than life. It's better than life. <laughs> but so, so there's that sense for a number of gay teens. Um, how's it going to be? You'll also find that it means you're going to be different. So I've talked particularly to some gay men rather than lesbians. It means um, more than likely you won't have children. Mm -hmm. um, right now, laws have changed. You'll be able to adopt, and some people are able to afford surrogate parents. Mm -hmm. uh, you want a little volunteer or, or do it for money. Right. I know of a couple of men who have children, and they paid something like $100,000. Uh, to somebody wow. to go through the process of having a surrogate. How much? Yeah, yeah, yeah down in California. Okay. Um, and it's still a debate. Um, so sometimes people will be able to do it on the QT. Yeah. Um, and there'll be a friend who will volunteer. But if you actually go through a paid process, so what it means is the majority of gay men won't be won't be parents. Right. And, and not everybody wants to be a parent, but most people want the option. Right. And suddenly to acknowledge, well, that may not be my role. I may be an incredible uncle, or I may be a teacher. I'll have a connection with kids. But I know a lot of men who say, mm, that's the hardest thing about being gay, mm. um, is that to not, not have my own children. Right. Mm -hmm. So and that's another contribution to, like, so you're alone, you're feeling different, you're wondering where your family will be. Depends on what religious background you carry. You may feel like a sick sinner. Like for instance, yeah. if you're a Catholic, I know Pope Francis has said, "Who am I to judge?" Yeah. But the theology of the Catholic Church is that it is a, a disorder. Right. So it's okay to be gay. Just never do anything about it. Yeah. So you should be celibate for all of your life, which is not great news for a teenager. Yeah. Um, I feel like. 
the religion, like the religious background too. Yeah, the reli- yeah definitely the religious background because my my family is um Catholic because we grew up because I grew up in the Philippines like my, my like I I'm Filipino like my my parents both um, grew up in the Philippines you know that's that that sort of thing like a lot of people would like agree with me that the Philippines is really like religious country like so do you think that being a part of the LGBTQ community um, influences your mental health at all because of stigma yeah I just I do believe that that as a person in the LGBT community all of us struggle in some way like um, some struggle a lot more than others for me perhaps it's I think my like the struggles I go through are a lot more subtle with just mostly just to do with like people not being like um, they just don't want to acknowledge it and sort of just want to like ignore that it's happening or like or just like just, they just don't want to fully commit to like accepting who I am I guess And even if someone like addresses you with the wrong pronouns, that that's kind of yeah. I mean, it's harsh, but like obviously it hurts. But like um, for me, I'm 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 quite um, like a non-confrontational person. <laughs> so um, like it really depends on the circumstance because like I'll meet a lot of people. Because, like, when I work, obviously you have to talk to a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, if they misgender me, I'm not one to be like, okay, like, sorry, bro, you're wrong. Like, but I just, like, I try just not to, I just let it go because, I mean, like, of course they wouldn't know. But the only times it would really bother me is if someone was, like, not, if someone I cared about or, like, someone who I talk to a lot is, like, refusing to just use my correct pronouns because I feel that um, because I, I see that like when some people will just like be like oh it's so hard to like remember pronouns like oh, I can't do that it's sort of it's just annoying you know like it's stupid though it's, <laughs> it's stupid because I'm like even if you make mistakes because like I mean like I've had a lot of friends like when they were first like accepting me as a trans person it, of course they're gonna make mistakes but like it's just the people who are like, oh yeah, you know, it's so hard. Like, I just can't get on. Like, you're just lazy. Like, just yeah. just say you don't actually care. Right. He is not that hard. Yeah, yeah. Or even they. Like, yeah. some or people still she. have a problem with they. I'm like, because it's just like, oh, yeah. it's not proper English. I'm like, you say it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had someone, like, purposefully misgender you? Oh, that's me. Like, that's so me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, actually I have. It's it's very, very bad. It was like in a really bad time because, okay, for me, I actually came out when I was in like my late um, grade 12 years. So it was my last year before I graduated. And like the way I dealt with it was like, oh, I'm just going to only come out to the people I, I actually talk to or people I care about because I feel like, oh, there's no point in like coming out to everyone since I'm going to graduate and not see these people ever yeah. again. <laughs> but then there was, um, this is a very specific time actually because what had happened was that like, um, was it? Sorry, let me just like remember. <laughs> just, like, it's been a long time, but um, went off topic again but yeah someone did actually go and like misgender me on purpose because what they were talking about was like oh you can't 
you can't be in um because what they were saying was that I, I wasn't allowed to like receive this reward because I'm not really trans. I'm not, I'm not really a boy. What the? Yeah. Heck? And they just and like she knew like the person I was talking. She knew I was trans. Like she knew that like all of our other friends was calling me like by my male pronouns. But she just kept saying like, oh yeah, like she shouldn't be allowed to be here. Like she's not like a real guy, so she can't really get like this award. It was it was really stupid. Like for me, I just didn't. I, for me, I just dealt, I just was like, high school fucking sucks anyways, like, I don't really care about this anyways, but this is so, like, unfair, actually. Yeah. That is, like, that's so stupid. I, I can't believe some people uh-huh. are like that. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to a lot of people who are in the part of the LGBTQ community, and they all have, they all have something to say. Like, it all affects them in a negative way. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like anxiety and plus before you found out like before you some people find out right yeah yeah and before you find out you start questioning and that just leads to more confusion I yes think. yes that's true definitely yeah it just makes you very unstable mm-hmm. yeah it's like you're confused right because yeah. you're told you're told to believe that you are straight yeah you're told to believe that you're something. Yeah, definitely. And then now that you see the contrast between what you really are and what you're told that you are, it just makes things just so much confusing. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I mean, I like, definitely. Mm. They need to see positive role yeah. models, that they're not sick, that uh, they are whole and good people. Yeah. They need to be able to see that. Yeah. Being like, <laughs> we have gay kids in our Sunday school. So you bet you do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're a big church, so think of 5% of them. Yeah, just see them looking around. <laughs> so it's a good moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. So if you're talking about mental health for teenagers or high school students wrestling with. Mm-hmm their identity, their sexual orientation, you need to think that um, it's unlike ethnicity or race, you don't immediately see someone who's like you. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't see a larger community, or then you think sometimes you're the only one. Right. I mean, it wasn't until university years and much later that I found um, from Churchill Oh, Bill was gay. But I didn't have a clue. He didn't have a clue about me. Yeah. We both suffered in silence. I was just afraid of being who I was because, like, I've seen a lot of stuff happen with people who are queer. Yeah. Like, um, for example, I had, like, a friend back in the Philippines mm-hmm. who she was she was dating this other girl. And oh. they were, for a time, they were really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other girl's parents found out and then forbade them from seeing each other again. And then it really, it really, yeah, totally isolated them. And then the bad thing was that the other girl's friends Mm -hmm. hated my friend. Mm -hmm. So, um, they just made the situation worse. Like, it just, it just got really bad to the point that they ended up, like, physically, like, physically fighting fighting in the girl's bathroom. Like, it was that bad. And, like... A lot of like those kinds of situations where where like queer relationships always end up like 
in the trash bin, they scare me. Because of like the people around them, they were like, oh yeah, this is wrong. Do you know the work of Dan Savage? He's the columnist. He's the sex advice columnist. Not, he's gay himself, married. They've adopted the kid, but just straight or gay. And he did a, a whole series of videos called It Gets Better. Okay. And he did live, real life people um, who did maybe like five minute YouTubes or maybe they were three minutes saying, and it was to be a resource for teenagers who thought it's never going to get better. And they'll say, uh, a whole slew of people, men and women, say, yeah, this is what it was like, and it gets better. It gets better. And it, it partly, I think, teens need to hear that. And that's why they need to see politicians and medical staff ministers and artists and plumbers and military people um, to be visible and present and healthy and happy. Change is inevitable, but change is hard to accept sometimes. For me, the biggest change in my life was accepting the fact that I was bisexual. It was hard for me due to the reason where you listed in the podcast. So stigma, family background, religion. But all change is a part of growing up. I guess I wanted to choose this topic for a very selfish reason. I kind of wanted the reassurance that I wasn't alone and having a podcast on this topic acted like acted as a physical proof that how I'm feeling right now is very very valid and normal. I also wanted to make a link between mental health and being a part of the LGBTQ community because I have found that it did play a role in how I am right now in terms of my mental health. I have, during the past couple of months, it has been really rough for me I've been diagnosed with severe anxiety and moderate depression and just the way that I have been denying the fact that I was anxious and depressed reminded me of how I once denied the fact that I was bisexual and I do find a connection due to the fact that there is stigma in terms of being aware of your mental health and also being aware of your sexual orientation. I hope that this podcast episode served as a reassurance to anyone who's listening that may be in a similar situation as me. And I hope that by doing a project on mental health, our class and other people listening, 
that they may learn something to prevent stigma and to help them be aware of those who are struggling around them. Thanks for listening. Music credit to Broke for Free from Free Music Archive. If you want to hear more inspiring stories, check out itgetsbetter.org.